Well, I want to invite you to grab your copy of God's Word this morning. Join me in Mark chapter 1, Mark chapter 1, and church, I am so thankful that even as Pastor Scott, our worship pastor, is on sabbatical for these next four weeks, we have a wonderful team of musicians, singers who are leading us in worship. Let's give the Lord a hand for them. Mark chapter 1, verses 1 through 8 will be our text this morning, and this is my question. Do you remember what it was like to travel before GPS? Do you remember that? Some of our teenagers are looking at us like, what are you talking about? You see, it used to be that if you were going to go anywhere, you actually had to have a physical map. That was about this big by this big. You had to unfold, and if you were trying to get to a certain location, you actually had to prepare the way that you were going to go. You had to figure out which roads were you going to take, which small towns were you going to seek to avoid, which highways were you going to drive down so that you could get where you needed to go. And you would actually spend time on the front end with it open at the kitchen table preparing the way for the journey. And then, then the internet happened. Then there was something called, you remember this? MapQuest. Where you could actually put in the address where you were leaving from, the address you were going to, And you could hit go, and it would actually populate the directions that you needed to follow. It would prepare the way for you. And then you could hit print, and 37 pages later, you had turn by turn by turn of where you needed to go. And then church, then GPS came along. Just this past Thursday, I drove to Tampa for some meetings, and I didn't even think before I got in my vehicle what I needed to do to prepare the way to go. I just punched the address into my phone, and it gave me the roadmap for how to get there. Preparing the way. That's our message title this morning. As we begin a journey over the next number of weeks, months, together through the gospel of Mark. Mark is the second gospel in our New Testament. Matthew, Mark, then you have Luke and John, four accounts of the life of Jesus. And as we prepare, I just want to give you a little bit of background so that you'll know as we begin this journey some pertinent details about this gospel account. First, let's start with the author. Who is Mark that we are talking about? Well, he's referred to as John Mark in the New Testament, and he has a fascinating role that he plays with the Apostle Paul. And also, you need to know that he is with the Apostle Peter, much of Peter's ministry. And so this gospel account most likely is going to be what he has heard from Peter about who Jesus is. And the stories that he's going to unpack for us are those that he had heard through the apostle Peter. 
In fact, if you look there in the parentheses beside his name or some passages of Scripture, I just encourage you in this time over the next week you have with the Lord, you can read these accounts as he's referenced in Acts chapter 13. And then again, in Acts chapter 15, there's a bit of a rift between him and the Apostle Paul. And then as you get into later writings from the Apostle Paul, he brings John Mark back with him and says... He is useful for me in ministry. The date of this book is somewhere in the range of 55 A.D. to 65 A.D. The audience is primarily a Gentile audience, an audience that may not have been as familiar with the Old Testament scriptures, but this is their introduction to that. And it would have been broadly used within the church at that point as well as the gospel of Jesus Christ is transforming lives. And here's the big question. What is John Mark's purpose in writing this gospel account? It is this, to demonstrate that Jesus is the promised Messiah and that he is the Son of God. You may have come in this morning and for you, you do not yet have a relationship with Jesus Christ. You've never come to that point of realizing that he is the Messiah, he is the Savior, the only one who can save you from your sin. He is the Son of God, God in the flesh. And my hope and prayer this morning, and as we journey through the Gospel of Mark, that you would see and that you would confess that Jesus is the Messiah, that He is the Son of God. If you're new to North River Church, I want you to know that What we do each week as we gather together is walk through verse by verse passages of Scripture in God's Word. The Gospel of Mark is book number 19, church, for us over the last seven and a half years. We've covered 18. This is book 19. There's 66. I'll let you try to do the math, but when I hit year 30... At North River Church, I think we may get through all 66, all right? As we look this morning at Mark chapter 1, verses 1 through 8, I also want you to know, just some preliminary, that each week I want to give to you these parallel passages in the other gospel accounts. I think this will be vital for you as we work through these passages of scripture in Mark's gospel to see them also in the other gospels. And so you should see those up on the screen. There are parallel passages of what we're going to cover this morning in Matthew chapter 3 verses 1 through 11, in Luke chapter 3 verses 1 through 16, and in John chapter 1 verses 19 through 28. What I love about Mark is that Mark keeps it short. We are going to have rapid fire movement throughout the gospel of Mark. A number of the other gospel writers, they add a lot more details to the story, but but Mark is punchy. He just gives you the facts. Here's what happened. Here's who Jesus is. Now respond by faith, trusting in him as the son of God. That is Mark's aim in this. And so I want us to begin. Mark chapter 1. Verses 1 through 8, this is God's word. 
the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. As it is written in Isaiah the prophet, Behold, I send my messenger before your face, who will prepare your way. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. John appeared, baptizing in the wilderness and proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And all the country of Judea and all Jerusalem were going out to him and were being baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. Now John was clothed with camel's hair and wore a leather belt around his waist and ate locusts and wild honey. And he preached, saying, After me comes he who is mightier than I, the strap of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I have baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Father, we ask this morning that you would open our eyes that we would be able to see, that you would open our ears that we would be able to hear, and that you would open our hearts and our minds, that we would be ready to respond to your word and to your spirit this morning. We ask all of this in Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen. We're taking notes this morning. I want to encourage you to write down this main idea that will frame what we are going to cover this morning in the text is this truth. We have the incredible privilege of preparing the way for people to meet Jesus. What we're going to see in the text this morning is that John was the forerunner. His job was simply to prepare the way for people to meet Jesus And if you are a follower of Jesus, you have been saved from your sins and brought into the family of God, the role and responsibility that you and I have in this world in which we live is to prepare the way for people to meet Jesus. And so as we look at the text, I want us to begin even now thinking, how can I Prepare the way for people to meet Jesus. How can I prepare the way for people that I work with to meet Jesus? How can I prepare the way for people I go to school with to meet and have their lives transformed by Jesus? How do we as a church prepare the way for people in this community... 70-some percent who do not have a relationship with Jesus Christ, how do we as a church prepare the way for people to meet and have their lives transformed by Jesus? My hope and my prayer is that as we see what John does here, we would begin to recognize the opportunities that are before us, both individually as believers and collectively as a group of believers called North River Church, the opportunity before us to prepare the way for people to meet Jesus. I want us to look first in verses 1 through 3 and take note of the nature of the promise. 
the nature of the promise. Notice that Mark begins his gospel account of Jesus' life, his ministry, with this word. The beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Mark doesn't pull any punches. He simply says, this right here that we're going to read and we're going to walk through over the next number of weeks and months together, this is the good news of who Jesus Christ is is and what he's done. And just in that first sentence, what you have to realize is a couple of things that stick out to us. One, he says, it is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, I don't want to burst any bubbles in here this morning, but I just want to put this out for you. Jesus's last name is not Christ. Some of you are like, I had no idea. Christ is a reference to a title. It is the reference to a position, the Messiah. And so John is saying, Mark is saying from the outset here, from Peter's account of who Jesus is, that he is the Messiah, the Christ. And notice, he is the Son of of God. He is the long-awaited Messiah. He is the Son of God. And from there, Mark goes in verse 2 and says, as it is written in Isaiah the prophet, behold, I send my messenger before your face who will prepare your way. The voice of one crying in the wilderness Prepare the way of the Lord. Make his paths straight. I don't know if you experienced this as a child, but one of the things that I loved to do was to go to the grocery store with my parents and to walk down the cereal aisle. So many possibilities, church. So many opportunities. The glorious Boxes in front of you, multicolored, sugar-filled. I mean, it was, it was wonderful. But I always looked for one thing in particular. The boxes that had a prize inside. I didn't want the rest. I wanted the boxes with a prize inside. We would get those boxes, and I'd come home, and I would dump the entire cereal out in a in a bowl, and then I would find the prize, and then I was done from there, right? What I want you to know is that contained within the Old Testament, from Genesis to Malachi, the prize in the Old Testament scriptures is this promise that a Savior, a Messiah, is coming. Beginning in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, the promise throughout the Old Testament is there is one who is coming who will crush the head of the serpent, Satan, and will save his people. It's the refrain throughout the Old Testament that the Messiah is going to come. The prophets spoke here, you see, in Isaiah that there is a Messiah, a Savior who is going to come, that the point of all of 
The Old Testament is to point to the reality that Jesus is going to come. In fact, if you notice, what you realize is that there are two things that are real about the nature of this promise that we see. The first is the Messiah is coming. The Lord is coming. But notice the second part of that. Notice that he says here as well, there is a messenger, there is a forerunner that is going to come who will prepare the way for the Lord to come. A messenger who will prepare the way for the Messiah. And what's interesting is that at this point in time in history for 400 years at the close of the book of Malachi, it has been silent for the people of Israel. They have not heard from the Lord. They've not heard from one of the prophets that the Lord has sent. At the close of the book of Malachi, there's 400 years that it has been silent. And then all of a sudden, John appears on the scene. Not only do we see the nature of the promise in verses 1 through 3, but we see the ministry of the prophet in verses 4 through 6. Well, you notice verse 4. With that as the background, with the silence being deafening from the Lord at this point, the promise that a Messiah is going to come, but before he comes, a prophet is going to come who is going to prepare the way for the Lord Jesus. It says, John appeared, baptizing in the wilderness and proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And all the country of Judea and all Jerusalem were going out to him and were being baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sin. And then I love this in verse 6. John was clothed with camel's hair and wore a leather belt around his waist and ate locust and wild honey. Wouldn't that be something to see? And it was. In fact, what you realize here is that this moment in history, you have to recognize that the people in all of Judea, the people in Jerusalem, those who would have called themselves people of God would have recognized and understood that maybe just now this prophet coming in the wilderness, maybe he's the one who is going to prepare the way for the Messiah to come. You have to know. That the city was a buzz. You have to know that they were looking around and going, maybe it's him. Maybe this is the messenger that we have read about. Maybe this is the promise being fulfilled in this moment. We need to go see this guy. And so they do. They head out into the wilderness and they come across this man who, I mean, think about this. He's clothed in camel's hair. He wore a leather belt around his waist. He ate locusts and wild honey. It's not in the text, but I'm pretty sure he had a mullet. Just put that out there. I mean, he was an interesting figure to look at. 
He was very much in the vein of the Old Testament prophets that we read about. And I want you to notice what he calls the people to. He calls them to repentance. He says, you need to turn from your sin. You need to prepare for the Messiah to come. That word repentance is simply a 180 turn from where you're going in a different direction. And what you realize when you look at the book of Malachi, the last word from the Lord, the people of Israel were absolutely struggling to walk in obedience to God. They didn't believe that God was going to fulfill the promises that he had made. They didn't believe that God was going to come through on their behalf. There was a malaise within the people of Israel about the things of God. And John is in the wilderness saying, repent, turn, be the equivalent of you being a University of Florida Gator fan. Realizing the error of your ways and the great judgment to come. And turning and running to the hands, loving arms of the Georgia Bulldogs. It is that drastic of a change of heart. And John says to the people who are coming out to him, You see in the other accounts as well, even the religious leaders were coming out to see what is this guy talking about. And he's grabbing their attention with the realization they need to prepare for the Messiah to come. Not only that, he also calls them to demonstrate that repentance through baptism. He says not just words, it's action accompanied with that. And you say, that's kind of odd because for us, when we think about baptism, baptism is symbolic of us making a declaration that Jesus Christ has transformed our lives. That we are buried with Christ in baptism, that we are raised to walk in new life in Christ, not because of what we've done. Totally on the basis of what Jesus Christ has done for us. So, so what is this baptism of repentance that he's talking about here? Well, what you have to recognize and understand is that at this point in history, that the Gentiles, those who were not part of the people of God, if, if they wanted to enter into the covenant part of the people of God, the way in which they did that was through baptism as John describes it here. What it is, is them forsaking all that they are following after and recognizing that the God of Israel is the one true God. And the declaration of that is to follow through with this baptism of repentance. It's interesting when you look at this because you realize that John is fulfilling a very specific role in the plan of what God is up to. That John's role is simply to prepare the way for people to meet Jesus. John is not the point of the story. 
And may I remind us who are all followers of Jesus this morning, you and I are not the point of the story. But God has invited us into his story where the spotlight is on his son Jesus and says to us as followers of Jesus, you have the opportunity, the privilege of preparing the way for people to meet Jesus. Now, I don't recommend, just going to put this out there, that you dress in camel's hair and wear a leather belt and eat locusts and wild honey and head out to the wilderness of Parish and preach a baptism of repentance. I don't recommend that. But you know what I do recommend? That every day that you go into your workplace, every day that you are in your neighborhood, every day you go to the restaurant or the grocery store as school begins to kick back off in just a few short weeks as you head to school students, that you look at that moment as an opportunity for you to prepare the way for people to meet Jesus. You say, Pastor, how do I do that? Like, I hear what you're saying. That sounds really good, and I really want to do that. But, but practically speaking, how do I do that? Like, what are the ways in which I can prepare the way for people to meet Jesus? One of the things that you see throughout the New Testament is this recommendation and this question that many of those within the New Testament are asking as they walk through life. They, they recognize their need for boldness as they enter into conversations with people. In fact, the Apostle Paul would even ask that the church would pray that he would have boldness to proclaim the gospel as he should, to, to prepare the way for people to meet Jesus as he should. And so I want to just challenge you with this. Begin with prayer. Begin there. And ask the Lord that he would provide for you opportunities to prepare the way for people to meet Jesus. That God would so burden your heart with the need for the people that are in your spheres of influence to come to know Jesus as their Savior, that you would feel the burden of that and He would give you the boldness to share Christ with them. Pray. Begin there. Serve. Serve. You say, Pastor, what do you mean by that? One of the beautiful things about North River Church is that there are numerous opportunities where you can serve within this body of believers and prepare the way for people to meet Jesus. You say, how can I do that? Just put this out there. You think about the things that happen here on a Sunday morning and you, you just walk through not thinking a whole lot about them. You say, people make coffee on Sunday morning. It's coffee. But you know what? There are people who come in, who grab a cup of coffee and sit in this service and hear the gospel of Jesus Christ and respond by faith, trusting him for salvation. And think about this. It started with somebody serving coffee. 
started with someone at the front door welcoming them as they came in. It started with having a place in the back for their kids where they can bring them and their kids can hear who Jesus is. It's friendly faces in the foyer who are welcoming people. And guess who does that? You! You do. There is no job serving at North River Church that is insignificant. Every single opportunity to serve is not just to serve and do some task. But it is part of a plan of preparing the way for people to meet Jesus. There are kids right now in the back and teachers back there right now who are sharing Christ with them, who are sharing the scriptures with them. They are preparing the way for those kids to meet Jesus. And so I just want to encourage you as you think about how can I be part of that to jump in and serve here at North River. And then, Invite people to come. So simple. Let's be honest, so hard sometimes, right? You know what's funny? The stats say that 85% of people, think about this, 85, that's an 8 with a 5 after it, percent of people will come to church if you invite them. Just invite them. Think about this. An invitation to someone to come here may very well be the preparation for them to meet Jesus. And if you think about it, 80% of our community doesn't go to church on Sunday. You can throw a rock and hit somebody who doesn't go to church. It's easy. I don't encourage you to throw rocks and hit anybody, but it would be easy. Invite them. Prepare the way for them to meet Jesus. I want us to think about this and collectively as a church, though. How do we prepare the way for people to meet Jesus? We've been dropping the breadcrumbs over the last number of months about a transition to three services, which every one of you right now should just tighten up just a little bit. Because things are going to change at North River. We transitioned from two services to three services later on in the fall. What that means is that every single one of us are going to have to transition our routines a bit. Say, I don't like change. This is an opportunity for you. To be a part of preparing the way for people to meet Jesus. To look at and say, what service am I going to attend? And then, which two services am I going to serve at? Y'all are like, ah, that's funny, Pat. I'm dead serious. Which service can I attend and then how can I serve, not so that I just have something to do on a Sunday morning, but so that I'm a part of preparing the way for people to meet Jesus. 
last Sunday, between the two services, there were 652 people on campus. That's the, outside of Easter this year, like the fifth highest Sunday in the year. In July, when it's stinking hot outside, and people are often on vacation and traveling. So what does that tell us? It tells us that people desire to be part of a community of believers that's growing and pursuing Christ. And there are people who are far from God in this community who are looking for a way to plug in and to figure out who Jesus is. And church, we have the opportunity to be on the front lines preparing the way for people to meet Jesus. I don't have time to go into phase two facility and what it's going to take for that to happen, but those details are going to roll out as well in the coming weeks. But I just want you to know, we all have a part to play in preparing the way for people to meet Jesus. I want you to notice verses seven through eight, the identity of of the Messiah. I want you to notice what John says beginning in verse 7. He preached saying, I want you to take notice of this. After me comes he who is mightier than I, the strap of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I have baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. One of the things that we would do as a family on road trips, of course, before there was any type of gaming system that you could play in the car, we had things called books. And as a kid, one of my favorite things to take on road trips was the Where's Waldo books. Some of you are like, I have no idea what you're talking about. Where's Waldo was a guy who was in the midst of the crowd of all the things going on, but, but he was very distinct. Like you could pick him out. He had a beanie hat on, and then he had a shirt that was stripes. It was red and white. He had blue pants. He had glasses. You were tasked with trying to find Waldo in the midst of all that was going on. But you knew what he looked like. Like you had this idea when you were looking, so you were not flying blind. I want you to notice that John, speaking of the coming Messiah, gives us three truths about him in these verses. Notice that he says, he is mightier than I. He is more worthy than I am. In fact, John says, I can't even stoop down to untie his sandals. And I'm baptizing you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. John, in this moment, is looking at the people who were coming. And this was a moment where he could have stepped into the spotlight and said, I'm a pretty big deal. Look at the crowd that's here. And yet he puts the attention not on himself, but on Jesus. And he says about him, he is mightier than I am. He is more worthy than I am. 
And he can give people what I cannot give them. And that is life transformation where the Holy Spirit of God comes and indwells and takes up residence in their life. That is who Jesus is. So church, believer, we're reminded that the spotlight is not on us. The spotlight is on him. At a point where Jesus comes, John is questioned by those who are around him. Hey, you realize that people are going to follow Jesus, right? And John says, he must, Jesus, increase and I must decrease. Why does he say that? Because the reality of who Jesus is. And I want to remind us this morning, those things that we talked about preparing the way for people to meet Jesus, we will only do those things, hear me, if we have a proper view of who Jesus really is. That he is mightier than we are. That he is more worthy than we are. And that he can give people what we cannot give them. Which is transformation through the Holy Spirit of God taking up residence in their life. As they trust in Jesus as their Savior. So as we think about preparing the way for people to meet Jesus. Every single believer here has a role and a responsibility to play. The question is, do we treasure Christ enough to do whatever it takes to prepare the way for people to meet Jesus? Would you bow your heads with me this morning? As our worship team makes their way back up and as our pastors come down to the front, to the altar here, you may be here today and for you, you have never come to the point of recognizing and confessing and trusting in Jesus Christ as the Messiah, the Savior, the Son of God. And that's the first step that you need to take today. We'd love nothing more than to have a conversation with you about that, share with you what that looks like, and both now and as we transition between services, there are time available for you to ask those questions and to talk with one of our pastors and to get some guidance on that. I'd encourage you to do that. Do not leave today without taking that step. If you're a follower of Jesus already, God has put you here because he wants to use you to prepare the way for people to meet Jesus. What does that look like in your life? Where does God desire for you to serve? 
What steps does he desire for you to take? Maybe this is a moment for you to to begin at the beginning and pray and ask the Lord to burden your heart for those who don't know Jesus around you and to give you boldness to speak the truth and to open doors for you. Maybe there's places where you know you need to begin serving here at North River Church to prepare the way for people to meet Jesus. And this is a moment for you to make that commitment before the Lord. What's not okay today is to just simply walk away and to think somebody else will do it. God wants to use you. And the question is, do you treasure Jesus Christ enough to be willing to do whatever it takes to prepare the way for people to meet Jesus? Maybe this for you is an opportunity to make that commitment to even now begin praying for those who will come to North River Church, those that the Lord will lead into your life who need to meet Jesus. Our altar is open. Our pastors are down front. Father, we ask right now, work in our hearts and our lives. God, bring us to the point where we're willing to do whatever it takes to prepare the way for people to meet Jesus. We ask that in his name. Amen. Church, stand with us. Our altar is open. You come as the Lord leads.